everything that you want to do as you know a special reconnaissance operator we have the potential to do right now welcome to the insight through experience podcast podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the u.s air force in these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, this week's going to be special. We have a special reconnaissance focus this week, and we have Corey, who has been at the unit for a couple of years now. I met Corey when he came through selection a few years ago, actually, and um, stuck out to me as somebody who's very driven, very capable, uh, able to push himself through some very difficult times and able to solve problems while he was going through some difficult times. So the second phase that I got to know Corey was um, when I got to teach his OTC class peak performance. And through that, I saw a guy, a younger guy who could also uptake new information that might push him a little bit and, and be able to push through that and make some, turn that into some value. So Corey, it's awesome to have you here today, man. I appreciate you joining us. Well, it's excellent to be here, Mr. Free. Awesome. If you could, man, just for the, to build the background for the audience and to get them a little more familiar with who Corey is. Can you just give us a brief summary of your of your life really growing up and how you ended up in AFSPEC war? Yep. Um, so I grew up in Mississippi. Uh, I, upon graduating high school, uh, I went to college and graduated uh, with, with, uh, in business from Mississippi State University. And really, I was already thinking about AFSPEC war or you know what was better known as ST at the time. Uh, probably for my sophomore year in college and to the point that I almost just dropped out of college and went straight forward or went straight for it. But either way, uh, finished up. And then, I mean, literally the day that I graduated, I went and talked to the recruiter and said that, you know, that, that, that this is what I wanted to do. Do you have a cowbell? Uh, yep. I, we got two on my mantle right now. Yeah, One for me and my wife. Did, man. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a pretty cool tradition by the way, but yeah, why yeah. did you stay, man? So you're saying as as early as your sophomore career or as early as your sophomore year, I should say, yep. you started having the thoughts, the thoughts started creeping in your head. Yep. What was it that kept those thoughts at bay and you finishing your degree? So, well, mainly I already was accumulating student loans or debt through student loans and figured that if I didn't finish it out, if I didn't finish that piece out, then that was going to be for nothing. As well as being, I was about a year and a half away from, well, yeah, yeah, I guess a little over a year and a half away from finishing my degree at that time. And, you know, to go ahead and put that much time into something and not finish it, obviously, would just be a waste. However, so I was in accounting. I didn't finish it in business. I was started out in accounting because I pretty much finished as quick as I could so I could get out to the, get out to enlist. Um, but I was, I was in a, Career field that was not satisfying my, or just it, I, it was not going to be fulfilling. I could tell from the goals that I had for my life and the you know reasons that I want to have in a job, the, the motivations behind going to work every day, it was not going to be fulfilling. And they're going to be they're going to be tons of kids, and I say kids, there are tons of seventeen and eighteen year olds who are thinking about coming in to ask for that will listen to this podcast too. So 
man, I think what we're touching on here is going to resonate with them as well, but um, they're going to have to make the choice of, man, do I go into accounting or business? Is that going to be what satiates me the rest of my life? Or am I going to get in there two years in and find out that, that this isn't filling the mug as deep yep. as it should for me? How did you, even though you knew it wasn't going to be your path, I keep looking because I know you and I know how driven you are, but what, how are you able to stay on path just for that extra year and a half to finish that out and then transition? <laughs> you know, that that's actually, it's funny that you ask that because this is going to correlate directly into how obviously you stay in, on path whenever you're in this field. Uh, it's one of those things of just starting and finishing something and knowing that what might be, what might provide instant gratification right now or not provide instant gratification right now can definitely be what's going to help you out in the future, you know, and that comes down to, and that same mentality goes into, you know, you take that into the pipeline and like, you know, for a year of my life, granted I was in college and I was having a good time, but for a year of my life, like I would go to class and just realize every day, like this sucks and this is not what I want to do. But if I finish it out now, I don't have to worry. Like I can knock my degree out and it's something I don't have to revisit in the future. And I'm not going to lie. Like for the people that have started that might be listening to this podcast, that has been one of the, I have not regretted finishing school at all because I go on TDYs with guys that are, you know, they're burning the candle at both ends, trying to knock out classes. You know, we go jump, you know, whatever, 10, 11 hours a day, you get back, you just want to crash and, you know, have a beard and, and then, you know, go, go to dinner and have a beer with the guys and then just go to sleep. And these guys are, you know, up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning, finishing papers and homework. And then we still got to get up at, you know, eight o'clock the next day or earlier and go do the whole thing again. And yeah, you're just, you're describing my last five years in the military. All right. For the audience, we're going to fast forward through Corey's pipeline a little bit because the process has changed almost 100% since he came through. So we're going to go ahead and fast forward, Corey. I want to talk about the 2-1 STS and your assignment there. Um, can you just give the audience a brief synopsis of what it was like to be an SR operator inside the special tactics community? Yep. So um, Pope was actually my first selection. Um, it's funny because initially after leaving CCS, I said that I never wanted to come back to North Carolina. And now I've made pretty much every effort to stay here for my whole career. <laughs> but uh, we um but yeah so did, like I said it was actually my uh, my my first assignment or my, my first choice and I got it thankfully because it kind of positioned me and my wife to where we could be closest to our family um for the first few years of our marriage and uh, yes yeah, so I was pretty excited to be coming to one I uh, got to the two one knew a lot of people here you know had a lot of good relationships with the you know people I just either been in the pipeline with or they were a little bit ahead of me um yeah and then started out my team time so we. My team was, uh, or the unit was deployed two weeks after I arrived. So that that um, that six months is actually some of the best six months of training, probably in my well, aside from here in my whole career, because we got we uh, we only had I think eight of us back home, and I mean we got to knock out three or four shooting schools back to back, two CQB courses back to back, mobility training. You know that you know I'd never hardly ever rode dirt bikes before and then i went to riding dirt bikes on a goat trail on the side of a 200 foot cliff in the west virginia mountains under nods and you know i mean just, just the amount of things that we were able to where the training we were able to complete during that first um that first year was really awesome and that comes back to people always said that 
you know, you're going to learn stuff in the pipeline, but it's going to be, but it is literally the bare minimum. I mean, whenever you're in your pipeline, you're wondering like, how can that, how can that be? And then you get out on team and you realize that just like people always say, like that is where the real work starts because you do know the bare minimum is getting out of the pipeline. And it really takes those times of not just, you know, you go to a shooting school and you think that, you know, you're, you know, you're John Wayne at the end of the day. And, you know, and that is not the case. Like it's your career is built on you continuing to refine your skills. And like I said, whether you're training back home or deployed, like that's a, that's a constant cycle. Just to piggyback on that thought, which I love that thought, you just spark some, um, other synapses in my brain going down the path of, yeah, you come through the pipeline and you think you're pretty good, but you get to your first unit and you quickly realize how much you don't know, which is pretty much, you know, nothing. Um, but then you get really spun up if you're, if you're that sponge and, uh, soak it all in, like it sounded like you did for that first year, um, you get really good at what you do. And then we'll talk about the OTC experience later, but then you come to another process. And when I came to the unit and went through OTC, I quickly realized I thought I was really good at McCord when I was there, but wow, at the end of OTC, um, I knew a new level of competence and skill and mastery. So before we get there, though, to your OTC experience, I'm going to dig into the the 2-1 a little bit more. We know um, that you came up to the 2-4, the, the seven two four later on. This is an abnormal question, but I'm so interested in your answer. What environment could have convinced you that, man, the 2-1 or the 2-2 or the 2-3 or the 2-6 would have been places that you wanted to go other than the 7-2-4? What would have had to been going on in the world or in the SR community for you to stay outside the fence line? So, man, that, that is a great question. The We would have to be in a full-up, you know, global conflict for me to have had to stay because the things that the things that I was wanting to do and especially the ways I was hoping that we could it, channels that we could push the SR community um, and whatnot, we would need like the workload would have to be there for, um, you know, any of the other, you know, any of the, the other white side units for us to get the same access that we're, you know, that I was hoping to get up here and, and, you know, in the same opportunities, you know, especially, especially with reconnaissance. Like that's the, that's the hard thing about this niche is that, and especially the the even more focused niche that SR is taking reconnaissance as a whole right now, which we'll address later. But the, yeah, I, I would say that that the workload and opportunity would have would have had to have been there. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I you know I could predict that was going to be your answer, but it's just good to hear it from the the horse's mouth. Um, let's talk about SR real quick in that transition from Salty. And really, I'd just like your opinion. And after you have looked at the new CFETP. Um, What's your gut feeling as you guys are moving forward? So gut feeling. So obviously we were salty to begin with transition to SR within the you know, recent couple of years. Uh, the CFETP just came out uh, in the past couple of months um, that was really able to hone in where we want to take the career field. The interesting thing about the career field was, and as I stated earlier, I was doing reconnaissance on my first deployment. Man, we were doing, I was had the opportunity to go out in small man teams, really with a lot of freedom of movement, or excuse me, freedom of movement, um, especially for the white side, to go out and, you know, multi-day trips. Uh, you know, with we had four Americans in a partner force that we were moving through with, conducting KLEs and doing OP as we were moving through. And that was 
we use what we already, how we already knew how to gather environmental reconnaissance from the southeast side of the house and just applied it to, you know, what we're now calling special reconnaissance. But what is just traditional, I mean, it's, it's intel gathering. It's what reconnaissance has already been or has always been. But, you know, and then we get the question, you know, lately, well, you know, how's, how's SR going to be different from, you know, from any other, you know, Army, Navy, Marine reconnaissance unit and, you know, ground reconnaissance fourth. And the way that we're answering that right now is that it is the niches that we're pushing, especially after the CFETP came out, the niches and the direction we're pushing their career field is so that we can address GPC problems. And for people that are familiar with, you know, the guidance coming from, you know, the higher up military right now, like that is, that is where the next conflict is going to take us. And the way, the things that we've added in to the CFVTPs now, we have ways to address, we have ways to solve problems that have not been identified before. Yeah, I love that answer. And I th- I'll be honest with you. I have been at the organization a long time. I was there when we got our first two Sal T guys there, combat weather at the time. We didn't know what to do with them. We didn't know how to apply it. Over the years, we evolved, I would say, a little bit. We still weren't effective, if you ask me. But now with the CFETP changes, with the focus on GPC going forward, I think you guys are in a great position is there going to be some times where you have to prove your capabilities? And is there going to be some questions? Because I was a Marine recon before I came over. So I understand reconnaissance very well. But what I know we weren't doing in Marine reconnaissance are a lot of the things you guys are oriented on. So anyway, I like where the future is going for you guys. Let's look yeah. at your let's look at your time when you decided, yep, it is time. I want to raise my hand for the 724. Why that time? And looking back, do you still feel like that was the right decision at the right time for you and your family? So at that time, I had I'd completed um, I had one deployment under, under my belt at the time. I was coming up on another training cycle. And to be honest, that's where I was a young staff sergeant. I knew that, you know, everything has a shelf life, right? And everything has a, you know, a time limit expiration date. And I wanted, I wanted enough experience in the white side so that I could accurately compare experience in the white side to experience at the two four, and I felt that I had got, I had got as far as I was, as far as I needed to get with experience in the white side. We, we were coming up on, um, I think my third training cycle at that point, you know, and it was getting to where I felt like I was spinning my wheels a little bit. Although I will say that that the two two one was doing a really good job of developing of trying to get ahead of the fight and look towards the next conflict. Um, and so being there for that was really awesome as they were moving towards their push for a unilateral team and how we were kind of re reorging the, um, the global access teams at the time to be better posture for the next fight was, was a pretty cool thing to see. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I just, I knew I wasn't going to go, I wasn't again like I keep on hitting on on placement and access, but I wasn't going to get the same placement and access as I was at the two four, yeah. And so it, you know it was that time like I said it was I just made staff, uh, and I was also realizing that I was having enough time on station. I think I'd been at the two one for three or four years at that time, and I was having enough time on station where I was starting to get worried about orders. It was it was time. Everything from the family side to 
you know, everything that was going on professionally at work, good and bad, like it was time for me to, for me to see if I could, if I was going to make the cut. Yeah. First, a couple of things that I want to foot stomp there that people have heard me say a thousand times on this podcast. And if you ever sent a recruiting brief that I've given, you've also heard this a thousand times, but um, we love to be in the conversation when guys are approaching the end of their first assignment at their organizations out in the ST or rescue communities. Why? Because you know your job at the foundational level fairly well, but you're still malleable enough to come up and learn it a different way, but still apply your foundational skills. And I think that's what OTC teaches guys to do very well. Um, we still want guys, if they didn't make it that time and they went out and did two assignments or an instructor gig or whatever, you should you shouldn't be scared to submit your application because we can get through that. Um, however, the longer you wait, the more we know that um, some of those things bake into you and they're hard to train out of you during OTC a little bit. So that's why we're trying to get guys up there a little bit younger. Um, and then the orders thing, and I'm glad you mentioned it. If you wait, and, and the Air Force is revolutionizing how they do this now. The officers have been doing it a while, but their list now, there's ways that people can apply for assignments and see when they're coming hot for assignments. But if you happen to get hit with an assignment before we can protect you or before we know you want to assess for us, there's nothing we can do for you. So you have just bought that new assignment without us being able to interdict. So I think what Corey said there for those thinking about this, those are two key important points. And then the last point that I keep harping on, I love that you said it is um, we consider families one of our main priorities. And but just know if, if you bring your family here, they're going to be as important to us as the operator is. So that's one thing I love about being here and why I hadn't left yet, to be honest with you. Um, any any comments on any of those things I said? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's actually the, the last one on family. That, that is exactly right. And just so the audience knows, because of me, because of getting picked up and getting orders and having some security and staying for at least, you know, at least four years and hopefully, you know, much longer. Through that, like um, uh, my, uh, my wife's already been able to start uh, her program and she actually should be finishing about a year from now. And so it's, it's a really it's a huge plus because, you know, this job takes so much out of the family. You know, everybody knows that you know, you're, on, you're on the road all the time. You're on the road or deployed or training or whatever. Even whenever you're home, you're still working a lot. And, you know, if you have a spouse that's career wants to be career oriented as well. It's a lot easy. It's it's an amazing thing to be able to give that back to her as after she's poured so much into you and supported you so much. It's uh it's an amazing thing. It also makes home life a lot easier. <laughs> whenever, whenever you can give that back to her, and you can say, "Okay, baby, thank you so much for letting me chase my dreams. Now it's time to chase yours." And yeah, uh, man, love it, love that, Corey. All right, man. So let's dig into it. You raised your hand. You got the reporting instructions to come up to selection. Um, you meet me at the crossroads um, at zero dark 30. Walk the listener through the experience of those 10-ish days and um, and how you perceive those as you're going through it. You know, that's a uh, everybody has their own, you know, their own idea in their head of what selection is going to be like before you get up here. You know, and guys talk about in the, you know, in the team rooms, um, you know, or at least at the two one for, you know, years of trying to figure out, you know, how heinous is going to be, or, you know, you know, what, you know, whatever it is, they're going to have you do a selection. And there's definitely times of selection that I was kind of surprised that I was like, man, I really thought, you know, it was just going to be a nut grind for, you know, 10 days and, you know, you know, you know, hell week or, you know, or whatever, you know, all over again. And, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely times that get 
physically taxing. And there's, you know, I think there's, you know, a couple of events that most everybody agree that it was probably, you know, the most physically taxing thing they'd ever done. Um, but overall, it's a very, it was a surprising or not surprisingly, but it was a very just professional experience. I mean, you are getting, you're getting evaluated. You're putting, uh, you know, multiple, um, multiple scenarios where you're definitely not in your comfort zone. You're definitely out of your element and you got to learn and you're definitely going to fail and you got to learn how to come back from those failures, uh, and keep on going. And because it's, it doesn't stop. And I mean, you're, you're in it for the whole week and that's, um, there's a lot of dynamics on that. You know, there's the, the dynamic of being around brand new group of guys that, you know, you haven't met before, which, you know, for the guys that are used to, you know, attaching ODAs and whatnot, you know, that, that shouldn't be that, that, that new of a, of a feeling, but either way, like you've got to, you've got to know who you are. And, and actually, I think, I think you had said this multiple times with the two, one before Mr. Free, but you need to know who you are before you come up there because it's not a time to, you could, it's not a time to figure out to think that I'm going to come present them a certain personality that I think they're looking for or whatever, because after a week of, you know, psych eval after psych eval and scenario after scenario, your true color is going to come out, especially at the very end, like your true color is going to come out. So, yeah, absolutely. And man, I couldn't have said that any better. Uh, it's almost like we planned that and I promised the audience we didn't. But what you just said is the key. If you come up here playing a game, we're going to see through it in about the first 10 minutes that you're there and it's not going to bode well for you. You'll still have a growth opportunity while you're there and you'll still grow some, but the chances of you being selected will be far less. So um, I would just I keep pushing out to everybody, get with your performance sites at your organizations, your operational sites and and let them um, maybe do some testing on you or, or have some conversations so you can start getting a feel for who you are. What I want to know now, though, Corey, is what was your lowest point mentally during selection? <laughs> so lowest point was, without a doubt, <clears throat> going through the shoot house. And if you've ever talked to anybody that, you know, it, it, there's a lot of people that the shoot house is a place where a lot of people screw up. Um, but I can say with full, full confidence, and I know people probably said this before, but I'm saying with full confidence, I had the worst shoot house run in Q4 history. It was absolutely horrible, which is funny to me, ironic to me, because I prided myself on being pretty decent at CQB. Um, and, you know, that was one of the areas that I had, a, like a pretty large number of prior training schools, whatever in, and that was not one of the things I was worried about coming into selection. And as it happens, that was the absolute worst moment. Let me double click on that. So put yourself back to getting the plethora of, of instructions that you were given and then they say go, and then it's on you when to enter the door. <laughs> yep. So they give you um, a series of shapes uh, that are going to be above doors. And then I think it was shapes on the targets. And then, you know, it's not even hearing it, like it's, it's not, doesn't sound like that much information, but then you walk in the door and then, and they don't tell you if it's timed or not, but being a, you know, typical operator, you think that everything's timed. And so, you know, you walk in the door and then you realize that you have probably what shit, 30 people on a catwalk above you, you know, all watching and, and then, and then everything just goes downhill from there, you know, open up the door. In fact, I had a buddy that did really, really well on it past and uh and it's funny because i again i pictured myself being not this not being one of the things that i've screwed up but i i could not have done worse they walk in the door and i'm just trying to go over basic cqb principles and i felt like kind of the things that they told me to do wasn't going to match up and i mean i 
I just, everything went completely out the window. I couldn't remember, couldn't remember the right shapes. And then was, was, and you know, a good point of, of just OTC as a whole started second guess myself because whenever I came, went through that room, then came out to the, to the next room. And I think I was looking for like a red triangle. Um, and I looked out and there was a red triangle on the door right across from me. But for some reason, I thought, well, surely that's not the one that they want me to go into because I have the whole rest of the hallway down here and I skipped it and then, of course, got an air horn blew at me. I mean, I mean, just again, completely frazzled, completely frazzled. It's just an example of how stress, no matter how good you are, can overwhelm you in any moment if you are not locked on to what you should be doing and the proper steps to do it. So it was a great event, man, and we do something similar now that that isn't exactly like that, but you are correct when that is most everybody's low point. And then everybody usually has some kind of low mental point during Xfil as well. But how did you, how did you get over that, that CQB experience, Corey, as you, man, you still had a lot of selection left. So how did you, how'd you process it? And then how'd you get it behind you? You know, I, I honestly brought it back to the basics and my own personal, one of my own personal mantras, which is just, if you know something's right, then do it. Even if it doesn't look like it's, if, if you think this scenario is going to be different, or if you think everybody else is doing something else, go with what you know is right. And if I had done that and I kicked myself in the foot for it, because if I had done that, I probably would have done much better on that exercise because literally uh, second guess myself on every, probably every target I shot because they would be positioned in a weird spot, you know, weird spot in the room or, you know, or I just felt like, you know, something was wrong from the, you know, visit the, you know, place I was taking a shot from or whatever. Although in my head I was, and like I said, there were several things that I did not do that I knew I was doing the wrong thing, but I felt like for whatever reason, because, you know, I was making stuff up in my head or whatever, that it was not what they were going to be looking for. And it turns out that would have been my key to success, you know? Yeah, it's kind of analogous to life if you think about it. If you pull back out to the 10,000-foot level, um, basically we go into all these situations that we know the right answer. We know the basic foundation of the skills we should be employing. One thing punches us in the mouth, and then we just go off script and start getting emotional, and we can't control the emotional contagion that comes after that. Had yep. Just like you said, and CQB is a beautiful environment for this. No matter what happens inside the house, you're going back to the, the basics that you learned. And if you just execute those basics, you're going to come through. Everything's going to calm back down. And you're going to you're going to be right where you need to be in the moment. So love this conversation. If you could give some advice to the candidates, to the future guys who are going to come up here. Actually, the next one's um, in two months. So the guys coming up here in March, Corey, what would what would like one good piece of advice be for those guys as they prep? I think take everything back to the basics and be the operator that you would want to present yourself as. And I, for myself, I, you know, whenever, you know, you start freaking out about like what all you need to study and what all you need to know. And, you know, I can all imagine, you know, for, you know, or for, for everybody, there's a million different documents and manuals and whatnot that you can go through. But I told myself there's some things that I'm okay not knowing. And there's some things I think are unexcusable inexcusable for me not to know, you know, I've read, you know, uh, the most basic parts of the Ranger handbook, you know, the MDMP things that I'm like, if I'm going to present myself to these people, at least know how to cross a road, at least know, you know, I can know something that's 
super highly sophisticated and, and complicated when it comes to you know doing our specific aspect war jobs but it like i will feel like an idiot if they ask me you know what are the troop leading procedures and i don't know man i could go so many directions here first let me just applaud you for that answer because that's the first time somebody said it that way and i could not agree any more than what you're saying yeah beautiful all right so let's transition from that selection time you got picked up and I'll be honest with you, man, it wasn't even like we talk about a lot of people and, and have to make decisions. Uh, you may or may not know this, but it wasn't a hard decision. Like you were in the green pretty much all the way through. So it was an easy, easy decision. With that in mind, as you're transitioning and you didn't have far to go, you didn't have to move across the country or whatnot. Still doesn't make it easy to move to a new place where, A, it feels like you're starting at the bottom rung of the ladder again because you had to go through another training course. Give me your mentality as you're transitioning up to the 2-4 uh, to go through OTC. And we'll go from there. Yep. So extremely excited, but at the same time, extremely nervous and still excited knowing that you're about to go back under the microscope for, you know, what, you know, almost a year, you know, and that's, and especially after seeing how well they, during selection, the resources they have to, to watch you and put you under the microscope, that was a pretty intimidating feeling. But at the same time, it makes you feel like you're embarking upon something important because, if people care that much about you doing your job correctly, then this is the type of organization I want to be at. Because I think we've all had for, for guys that, you know, have been through the pipeline and whatnot, there's a lot of times you feel like, man, like we are surrounded by people, not surrounded, but, you know, there's people out here that are only here because they wouldn't quit and they might not be that capable or, you know, you, you might have your own personal negative opinions about them. But either way, knowing that like whatever comes out the other side of this thing, it's going to have to be a pretty good product because they're definitely like, I am about to be critiqued to, you know, and nitpicked over every little thing. And, th and, and that was honestly, I'd say it's scary, but at the same time, it's exciting knowing that if you come out on the plus side of this, of the, on the other end, like, you know, it might actually, it, it can carry weight. It might have meaning like being an OTC grad can have, you know, can have meaning. Yeah. And I think, man, I love a lot of what you said there. Um, it's cool to get to come up and start a process where selected guys have been selected deeper um, through our selection process to where you're right, man. Um, the old model of the pipeline, which they have corrected and are getting better and better at, it used to be, hey, if, as long as you don't quit, you're pretty much going to earn a beret at the end. Yep. Um, to come up to our place to where, again, I've said this a hundred times, quitting's just, man, that's that's the baseline. We we don't expect anybody to quit, man. If, if that's what you're thinking is success at our organization or our selection process, you are going to be in for a rude awakening because we want to see what you got on top of that not quitting. But getting to start an OTC surrounded by guys who are hand-selected because they are the right attributes or they possess the right attributes that we feel will make a good operator at our unit. Um, explain your team a little bit. Um you know, just a general impression of the guys that were surrounding you and then start transitioning into that experience you were having on OTC. Yep. So it's a pretty interesting environment. So I'd only been in ST prior to this. And so not only do you get guys from different STs and then get to see, you know, the, the, the training focuses of each unit starts becoming pretty apparent whenever, you know, your guy next to you is super spun up on, you know, on CQB, but it's not a, a spun up on, you know, airfield stuff or, you know, whatever. And then, and then, and then likewise for you, you know, there's things that, again, like you can definitely see 
the differences in, I guess, the training strategy across the 720s right now. And then as well as then, obviously, you have guys from the RQS and they've had, you know, their own experiences and, you know, things that they train to as well. And so to see that come together, to see those pieces come together as a team, as well as whenever you start incorporating direct support. To me, that was one of the coolest things about OTC was whenever you start incorporating direct support, you know, what I think in the middle and in the, in the end, you get the EOD, uh, you know, you get, you get support from the EOD personnel. You get, you know, you get support from the RTOs and starting to see the capabilities that like, man, like this is what makes this organization special is that instead of me having to do all this by myself, like I was, you know, at the two one or wherever else, instead of me, having to go back and reinvent the wheel, you know, on whether it be a piece of tech or, you know, just, you know, a TTP in general, like these guys have it figured out and they can focus on what they bring to the table and I can focus on what I bring to the table. You can hear just by your description of who all is joining in, who, who is all coming together to um, combine this one OTC class, man, for the cadre uh, having to, take all of those disparate levels of experience and units that they came from and everything else, man, that's a difficult job. How was your experience with the cadres you went through? Uh, so I, I had a very, very positive experience with the cadre and it was unique in the sense that all the cadre we had at the time were either controller or, the, or repair rescue. And, uh, and obviously me and James being the, um, the first two SR guys to come through or, you know, most recent SR guys have come through. Um, that, that that was definitely, it was good because they, I felt like people, there's a couple of individuals that really took out the time to make sure that we were getting the training that we needed and to make sure that like we were getting pushed towards the niche that we are becoming right now. Um, and that was, and at the same time, then departing knowledge from, you know, like I said, from their PJ or, you know, controller backgrounds. Um, as well as, you know, their time with the army and the Navy, you know, their time on the commandos or whatever. It was, it, it was really good that just to see, again, like you're saying, alluding to like all the different facets that come into OTC and it's, you're, you're definitely, I, I think the, the future will be even more so, but like you're definitely starting to branch out into a couple of different facets of what this organization is made of. And you're getting that, you're getting that, that picture, that preview in OTC. And then whenever you get out of it, you see, then you really start figuring out all the different avenues that you can go down. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, as well said, uh, in your opinion, as you were going through OTC and looking to your left and your right and going on these different training opportunities, who were the guys that stood out, not by name, but just think about those guys in your head right now and just describe to the audience a little bit about what do you think the character traits or the attributes that were making them so successful during that time in OTC? Honestly, I'm <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to bring it back to doing the basics. Well, there wasn't. I don't think we learned that much that was just that complicated or that sophisticated or whatever. Like it was come back to the dudes that could keep their keep their cool. You know, they're hard workers, always hard workers, and always mission oriented and looking for work. And and again, like I said, I think the guys that can just keep that mindset and just continue to work hard and just improve upon the foundations they have whenever they get there or, um, you know, and, and, and even for the, even for the guys that don't have foundation, you know, cause there's a lot of people that, you know, I didn't have a ton of experience coming up. There's other people that have even less than I do now coming up, but just being able to take instruction and then improve on that. It was also that that's probably, that probably should have been my number one answer, but guys that can take and take criticism and take instruction and then move on because 
there's also people that feel like they have conquered the world already. And this is going to be one more notch in their belt. And man, like we had a couple of cats that did not do so hot because of having that mentality. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. All right. We are leaving OTC. We're transitioning over the operational side just to prime the audience. Like I always do. Obviously we can't step over the classified fence here. Um, we are going to stay on the unclass side. So um, I'm asking Corey some hard questions that he's trying to talk around some stuff. If you want to know what really comes on at the, or goes on at the unit, you got to put an application and come up and, and taste them or touch the magic for yourself. But we are trying to at least give enough knowledge out there so folks can make a good decision on, should I stay out here? Should I just go to another job in SD or rescue? Or is that job, does that sound like something that I want to come up and throw my hat in the ring for? So as we transition over, Corey, um, the expectations that you were hoping for when you got out onto the flights, how has that met what you were expecting when you came up? Let me just preface this by saying it's been a weird year, as we all know, like just complete transparency, you know, like it's been a weird year um, as well as it's a weird time in the world right now, too. And the, the, the state of the world is not what it was whenever uh, most of my generation came in the pipeline, you know. Or, yeah, Corey, let's hit a timestamp right here. So weird because um, somebody might be listening to this five years from now, right? So this is 2021. COVID has been going crazy for over 10 months. The political, like we have the new inauguration of the president today, things have been crazy across, and that's just in our country. Things are crazy across the world. So I just kind of want to timestamp what he said there of why yep. this past year is crazy. Go ahead. Yep, yep, yep. And then, yeah, and so and to move further, I came in in May of 2012 um, when really the war was coming still at its height, or at least at the action, and you know the the the, the tempo was still definitely very high. Um, and since I've been in, we've seen kind of a steady decline, uh, you know, in ops tempo. And that's, you know, you could call that winning the war. You could call that, you know, they're just being less of a need for it. You could call that, a, you know, a shift in, in a mission focus. Um, but either way, I think what we're really seeing towards the future is a shift in mission focus. And so with that being said, being on teams, awesome. Like being on the flights are extremely extremely awesome uh I, i'm currently on one of the commando teams and what i really like about it is me personally i got a little tired of always attaching to somebody always having to come you know sh you know show who i was make new relationships every you know really every six months um i like that we have we have we have teams that have several mission sets in front of them right now that we're trying to figure out how to tackle and I also like being on the forefront of something. I like being on, you know, just as you said earlier, you know, we are, you know, our unit is a TTP, you know, we are a, a developmental unit and we are always on the forefront of whatever there's going to be, whether that's a new conflict or, you know, new tech or whatever. Command as a whole, more importantly, you know, the, 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 the 724 as a whole, like we definitely have some places that we are going to go that are and are going that, are going to be uncharted territory and we're going to pioneer a lot of um a lot of a lot of new stuff out there yeah if i'm a if i'm a sr guy sitting out in another st or just an operator in general across aspect war what i would take what i would, what i hope you take away from what Corey's saying here and and what this podcast is meant to incite inside of you is that we are an organization that develops ttps um for current, but more importantly, future um, threats, future lines of effort. 
And we've been staring at this great power competition for four to five years already. I want that to, I want that to sink into everybody's head out there. So as you guys are starting to orient towards it out there in the community, we have been staring at this five years ago is when we started, when this whole process started. So you can imagine, we can't talk about it much here, but you can imagine how far down the line we are and how cutting edge some of our solutions are starting to become and how we're try starting to help the nation orient towards these um, threats a little better, a lot better than what we were five years ago. And it's really it's starting to snowball. What I'm seeing now is it's starting to snowball and we're gaining a whole lot of ground really quickly. So what is it for an FR guy inside the organization right now, Corey, what's your day to day? And I know we're in the COVID weird world, but what's your day to day like right now that you can describe to those out there? Yep. So again, day to day training as a commando, like we're like we're training to be we all we all have our shred outs of, you know, the focus as a as a PJ or controller, SR, attack P. Um, and, and again, the, the, the commander troops, we have everything else from, you know, RTO, EOD, you know, there's everybody has their own their own focus. But most the the day to day is still just training as a commando troop, just coming back to shoot, move, communicate and being really honing in on that one force that can solve several different mission sets. Yeah, well said. I think one thing that has struck me from my a long time um, up inside this organization at this point is that when you read things like the National Defense Strategy and you look around at what we're working on inside there, um, you see the direct correlation. You are working on some of the specific bullets that are in that, and I never witnessed that anywhere else. I never experienced that anywhere else. So it's an amazing place to be. So my last question, you wake up every day and you have to get in your car and drive into the compound. What do you look forward to? What do you look forward to every day as you're climbing in and you're heading into work? I look forward to most coming in the team room and seeing what has developed from the week before, because this is a place where stuff is constantly changing. Uh, the um, top-down guidance is changing. The Our mission set focus is changing. Um, you know, the, it, it, it's constantly evolving and it definitely keeps you from becoming stagnant. And that's just through through seeing that and never knowing like what we could end up talking about at work today or what could we could end up discussing or learning about the next the next coming threat really makes me feel like I'm on I'm in the place I need to be to be on the front line of what everything's gonna come. Uh we will end it there, Corey, but I freaking appreciate you coming on this week. Um, we talked about a lot of good things here, and I think at least you have helped illuminate, hopefully for the SR guys, what life is like up here, why some of the things, why the reasons why you chose to leave that arena and come up to our arena. And then just honestly, man, what the value of the OTC process and what you're getting every day out on the operational flights, man, I think is going to um, – resonate well with the audience so brother appreciate you coming on here this week well i appreciate it, mr free and you know if i can say just one last statement to the you know sr guys that are debating on whether coming up here and being under microscope one more time and you know going through the stuff one more time is going to be worth it i can say that absolutely everything that i had all the different directions i had envisioned the community or the, the career field going three years ago we're going now and the things that I viewed as important or essential to make this happen, we have access to here. Everything that you want to do as you know, a special reconnaissance operator, we have the potential to do right now. 
All right, folks. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again to the Insight Through Experience podcast. Another shout out to Corey for that awesome interview. And we will see you folks next time.